Okay, people, it's Thursday, which means another echo chamber. So, we start off as we always do with the UK box office top 10, and this week we're looking at the 25th to the 27th of September. So, at number 10, I believe it's a new entry, we've got Dave McLean's Schemers, uh, which is starring Tara Lee, Mingus Johnson, Rianne Farley, and Kerry Brown. At number nine is Walt Dome's Trolls World Tour. At number eight, we've got um, Sarah Gavron's huge hit, Rocks, which has really been making noise on the UK indie circuit. It's starring the newcomers, uh, Ruby Stokes, Buckery Bakaray, Croza Alley, and Anastasia Domatrao. Okay, so that means at number seven is Derek Bort's Unhinged, starring Russell Crowe, Gabriel Bateman, Lucy Faust, and Anna Leighton. At number six, we got Alexa Stademan's 100% Wolf, which means sticking at number five, hanging in there is Josh Boone's The New Mutants. At number four, man, Dan Scanlon has been killing it with Onward, which has the voice cast of Tom Holland, Chris Pratt, Octavia Spencer, and Julia Lewis-Dayfriss, which means at number three, it's Bill and Ted Face the Music from director Dean Parasot, starring Keanu Reeves, Alex Winter, and their on-screen daughters, Samara Weaving and Bridget Lundy. So, at number two, we have got Roger Cumble's After We Collide. And that means at number one, still, I mean, as expected, people, it is a masterpiece. We've got Christopher Nolan's Tenant, starring a man who's all over the place right now, Robert Patterson, Elizabeth DeBecky, John David Washington, and Clem Posey. That's right, people. So, that's our top 10. Before we get into this week's films, let's hear a little information, okay? All right, people, buckle up. Let's go. Okay, so this is for all you Shudder, Horror, and Creepshow fans. Shudder are pleased to announce... The start of production on the highly anticipated second season of its hit series Creepshow in Atlanta, Georgia. The anthology series which shattered 
All Shadow Records when it debuted last October is executive produced by showrunner Greg Nicoretto who was involved with The Walking Dead and it's based on George A. Romaro's iconic 1982 movie. The six-episode second season will premiere exclusively on Shudder in 2021. The show is following all safety guidelines and protocols in accordance with SAG, AFTRA, DOGA and all of those other guidances, etc, etc. Right, so Craig Engler, Shudder's general manager... Had, um, you know, he had this to say Season 1 was a monster hit for us Setting viewership records across the board While becoming the best viewed non-horror series of 2019 For Season 2, Greg Nicoretto and his team have outdone themselves With bigger and bolder stories New incredible creature designs and clever twists that truly live up to the show's tagline. The most fun you'll have being scared. You know, and Nicoretto, he had this to say. I've never been happier to get behind the camera as I am today. After missing our shoot date in March by just over 48 hours. Season 2 of Creep Show hits the ground running as cameras begin to roll. The cast and the crew have a level of excitement and enthusiasm I've never seen before. And it's inspiring. So many of us in the entertainment industry have been waiting for the day we can begin to do what we do best. To have some fun together, creating new worlds, new adventures, and new thrills. You know, their Shudder also revealed initial details about four of this season's segments, which will be directed by Nicoretto, Anna Camp, and Adam Pally. Um, you know, will also star in Shapeshifters Anonymous Parts 1 and 2, written by Nicoretto, based on a short story by J.A. Conrath, um, about an unlucky soul who finds himself in need of a werewolf support group. <laughs> oh, Keith David, Ashley Lawrence, and Josh McDermott, will star in Pesticide, written by Frank Dietz, in which an exterminator makes an infernal bargain, and Model Kid, written by returning creep show writer John Espiotto, um, is about a 12-year-old monster fan who turns to hand-built model kits to escape his unhappy reality. Additional titles, castings, and directors will be announced soon. So, in its first season, Creepshow smashed records for Shudder in number of viewers. 
new subscriber sign-ups and total minutes streamed to become the most watched program in Shudder history, followed by a successful run on AMC. The show was a hit with critics as well as fans as one of 2019's best-reviewed non-genre series with a 97% fresh rating on review aggregator Rotten Tomato. The inaugural season starred David Arquette, Adrien Babu, Tobin Bell, Big Boy, Jeffrey Combs, Kid Coody, Bruce Davison, uh, Giancarlo Esperito, Dana Gould, Trisha Heffer and DJ Quails and featured adaptations of stories by Stephen King, Joe Hill, Joe R. Lansdale and Josh Maelstrom. So, when season two debuts, I'll make sure you are there to check it out. Independent cinema pop-up screens is back this winter, taking over Peckham's popular boozy building with a season of exciting and immersive events taking place from from the 23rd of October to the 20th of December. The pop-up Peckham series will feature scary screenings in a forbidden forest, Belly laughs at the first ever Peckham Comedy Festival, a half-term family film fest, and the return of Cinema in the Snow, a stunning cinematic Christmas experience set in a magical snow-filled wonderland. The Forbidden Forest Cinema, which takes place the 23rd of October to the 15th of November, it's kicking off the schedule of events will be um, a collection of immersive Fright Night Halloween screenings. Visitors must brave their way through a forbidden forest before discovering an eerie woodland cinema, the perfect setting for their favourite film. Films include Halloween horror favourites such as A Nightmare on Elm Street, Hereditary, It, Beetlejuice, Scream, The Shining and The Blair Witch Project as well as cult classics like Donnie Darko, Rocky Horror Picture Show, From Dusk Till Dawn, Labyrinth and The Craft. Half-term screenings of Wallace and Gromit, Curse of the Were-Rabbit, Onward, Myuna, Minions and Toy Story 4 will also be part of the schedule coupled with a family friendly magical adventure through the mysterious forest. Adult tickets will be priced from £22 including all fees with concessions for family tickets and half term screenings. A limited amount of VIP tickets will also be made available at £27.50 again including all fees, premium seats and a drink. Other announced events that will follow later in the year include Peckham Comedy Festival the 19th to the 22nd of November and the return of Cinema in the Snow which is the 27th of November to the 20th of December. 
Okay, so the booking information are in the episode details. So if you fancy some cinema in a forest, some snow and comedy, go and check it out. Okay, so now we have done all of that. Let's get into this week's films. So we got three new films. Well, we got three films, um, but we're gonna throw in a um, a film from last year's London Film Festival, which is uh, yeah, being finally being released to the masses on Friday. Uh, it's called Monsoon, and it's great. Uh, but yeah, let's get into this week's films, people. Enjoy. Okay, so I checked out Love Guaranteed. Okay, so um, this is the new film from director Mark Stephen Johnson. Now, if I had known that going in, I might not have gone in. Because old Johnson... Gave me one of my most terriblest cinema experiences. Okay, so I remember the second time I went to New York. Um, yo, me and my friends got to our hotel, and you know it's still kind of early, but you know we decided, all right, kind of. Sync up the time properly Let's go to the cinema So we went and caught Ghost Rider Which had just come out Right, starring Nicolas Cage It was horrible (laughs) Like all the way through It was so bad I remember I walked A whole row of people Because I couldn't stop laughing At how Horrendous it was Oh my gosh Yeah Old (laughs) Mark Johnson did that to me He also um, You know Directed and wrote Daredevil Which Again not great Not great But I didn't know I didn't know (laughs) So the film is Produced well, actually, let's see. It was written by Elizabeth Hackett and Hilary Galloni. Uh, it was produced by Dan Spilio, Stephanie Slack, Margaret Hay Huddleston, and Rachel Lee Cook, who also co-stars. That is right, people. She uh, she multitasked. So she plays a character called Susan Whitaker. Who is a struggling attorney? Attorney, attorney. Um, also, her co-star is Damon Wayne Jr., who plays Nick Evans, who is Susan's well-heeled client. I mean, that's what the description says. I'm not quite sure what they mean, but you know. Uh, we also have Catelyn Howden as Melanie, who is Susan's sister. Um, we have Lisa Durrett, who plays Denise, Susan's legal assistant, uh, Sean 
Amsing as a Roberto, Susan's other legal assistant. Uh, we've got uh, Brendan Taylor, who plays Gideon, uh, Melanie's husband and Susan's brother-in-law. Uh, we've got Alvin Sanders, uh, Candice McClure, who plays Ariana, one of Nick's ex-fiancés. Um, Heather Graham as Tamara Taylor, the CEO of the dating agency Love Guaranteed. Uh, with a host of other talented, you know, actors and actresses. So, um, music is by Ryan Shaw, cinematography, Jose David Monterio. Uh, so, supposedly, um, the story sprang from, um, you know, an actual kind of real-life incident, right? So, you know, not a, uh, a dating situation, but uh, from a lawsuit that was brought against Molson Cause, because on their packaging they state that um, you know it's brewed with pure Rocky Mountain spring water. So I'm assuming people, you know, didn't believe that claim. No, no clue what happened with that. But um, yeah. That's where supposedly the genesis of the story came from. And the story is this. Earnest, hardworking lawyer Susan has taken one too many pro bono cases. To save her small law firm, Susan begrudgingly takes a high-paying, high-profile case from Nick. A charming new client who wants to sue a dating website that guarantees users will find love. But Susan and Nick soon find themselves in the middle of a media storm. And as the case heats up, so do their feelings for each other, which could jeopardize everything. Bum, bum, bum. So, ah, you know, this film, look, it's fine, right? The film is fine. Uh, you know, the performances, like, on the real, you know what I mean? The performances are not terrible. Everything is, uh, you know, handled okay. I would say, though, it it just, it, it's so predictable. Like, you know everything that is going to happen. And everyone... Is so cliched. It's crazy. You know what I mean? They they have um Roberto, the legal assistant, and look, he he's you know his character in the film is gay, and it it's just playing up to I guess, like, every kind of stereotype, just every kind of gay performance that you see in a film such as this. You know what I mean? Like, and, and that's the thing. It's just, like, not all gay people are the same. 
Like, what are we doing here? You know what I mean? And it's just like every performance. You know, just like the other, you know, our other legal assistant, um, you know, Denise, plays like that typical legal assistant. Right, it, it, that that I feel that's the kind of thing that's just really kind of gets you. Like, there's no real surprises. Like the sister, and you know they live next door to each other. Of course they do. Your sister's got a kid, expecting another kid. You know, but oh, it's really hard to deal with the first kid. Oh, what did we do? You know what I mean? Just that typical trait. Like, come on, man. Um, you know, we, we show Susan just like, you know, she wins a case. And like, oh, she's really just studious and committed to her work. Right? Um... Just the whole meeting between her and Nick. Like, you know, right? If you hadn't seen the poster and gone, oh, Damon Wayne is the, you know, it, you would have think, gone, yeah, obviously, they're, you know, they're the leads of this film. It's just that hammed up kind of situation of just like, oh. You're, like, you're kind of irritating. Ah, you're frustrating me. Wait, hold on, man. You're my client? Da, da, da. Yeah. And you're just kind of like, really, come on. Like, wh- why? Why write it like this? Why have it this just hammed up? Come, like, surely you can think to yourselves, you know what? Every film that we see is done in a certain way. Let's mix it up. Let's try something different. You know what I mean? Let's do that. And I I would say, listen, the concept, although, yeah, it's a bit out there. It's a little crazy. It's not out of the realms, Right, because when you think about dating websites, you know, dating apps, they do make these kind of grand promises. You know, we're the number one dating site. We we guarantee that using our site, you know, you'll have more luck of finding the right person. Our, our algorithm is the best. We will find the perfect match for you. We only send you matches that meet, you know what I mean? And then you get a load of matches and you're like, wait, why was I? What? Like, I filled out all the questions. So, you know what I mean? I filled out my profile. Why are they sending me people that are, you know what I mean? It's just baffling. And when you see profiles that are, Obviously hoaxes You know that are obviously bots And then you read loads of articles Because yeah Certain websites have been found out To be using bots and fake profiles You're like Yeah Yeah 
that makes sense, right, so, you know, it's not completely out of the realms of um, crazy that someone would sue a dating website for this reason, you know what I mean, so there's a lot of things that could be brought up, you know, the way, like, you know, the profile is constructed, you know, the, the way that, the, the, you know, the websites do their business, the, you know, the, the falsehood in the matching process and all of, there was so, there's a lot to mine, but they don't, do you mean, they don't do that, and you're just like, man, you really missed an opportunity here, like, you really did, you know, just, it, it, it's kind of, because, you know, they have it that she doesn't know any kind of anything about dating, you know, she's just spent the last few years so wrapped up in her work, you know, and it's just like, listen, there's a lot of things I don't technically know anything about, but I've heard the phrases <laughs> you know what I mean? So, just things like that. It, it, it's just like, wait, come on. You you know, like, certain things. Like, she sends him a, a message, like, you up? And he's like, oh, is this a booty call? Which is just a bit like, wait. Firstly, that exchange is kind of, like, you, that wouldn't happen. Like, it wouldn't, you don't have exchanges like that, you know, but it's just like, oh, what did I just say? He's just like, oh, you up is a common term that is used when trying to, uh, you know, get into the pants of, and it's just like, oh, come on, people, try harder, you know what I mean? Let's try harder. Let's let's put a little effort into this. You know what I mean? Come on. Really, motherfuckers? Like, what are you doing here? And it's just this. And, you know, like, they're, they're, they're showing... He's like, oh, I went on a thousand dates. That's the guarantee. You go on a thousand dates and blah, blah, blah. And, he, you know, he's, he's writing up all these profiles. And it's like, supposedly... Out of a thousand people, like there was none that piqued the interest. None where you're just not like, you know what? I I could yeah. Let me go on a second date and see what happens. And it's just like like that. That's kind of bullshit. Right, you might not, you know, like, listen, you might not find someone who you really connect with, but you're gonna find someone who piques your interest, you know what I mean, who you think, okay, you know, I wouldn't mind talking to them again, and, like, look, you could have a few dates, and then go, eh, yeah, we, we don't quite... You know, we don't quite match. Like, she wants kids straight out the gate. I don't. You know what I mean? There's things like that. But, 
you know, just the way it was just like, oh yeah, I've kind of worked out the dates to under an hour. I do breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Bum, bum, bum. And it's just like, eh, what? What are we doing? Like, what is this? You know, it just doesn't work. Like, the premise doesn't work. Right? You need to show more. There needs to be more substance. There needs to be more meat on the bone. You feel me? And obviously, I don't really think I'm giving anything away when I'm like, yeah, we're, we're then led to, uh, you know, believe that, you know, Nick and Susan fall in love. And... You kind of think to yourself, there's nothing really within the film that kind of shows us that, right? They they go on, they're, they're hanging out, they laugh a few times, but it's just like, well, that's not, what do you mean you felt you're in love? You've hung out a few times, right? You're not. Even substantial periods of time, like not that we've been shown, right? So now you could say that you know they want to explore the possibilities, but then to have it, I I realized that you know you get me, you get everything about me. And that's rare. So, Susan, I'm in love with you. And I just want to know, do you love me? This is like, shut up. Come on. Come on. What are we doing here? Like, is, you know, let's, let's be real. You don't actually find love on a dating site or a dating app. You find possibility. And then it's the time you spend off that. You know what I mean? After that initial period of, um, yeah, like, oh, so I like this. You like that. Oh, splendid. Splendid. So, um, you know, what do you do? Oh, I, yeah, that sounds interesting. Oh, yeah, no, I do this. Blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, should we meet up? Yes, that would be spiffing. Okay. Oh, yeah, let's go and do this at the weekend. Oh, terrific. I'll see you then. Boom, boom, boom. You know what I mean? You've had a few dates. You're like, well, should we get off this app? Get off this site? You know what I mean? Yeah, let's do that. Then you're off. You're hanging out for, you know, a few months, a year. Whatever your process is. But it's that time that you go, you know what? This has been just a magnificent year. And I love you. Oh, I love you too. That's what happens. You know what I mean? So, like, to be like, oh, we spent a few hours together. And it's just like, I love, it's just, ugh. Ugh. It's terrible Like it's just terrible And listen I understand 
I understand, right? I am coming at it from a place where the film doesn't intend you to come from, right? This this is meant to be for people to be able to watch and go, oh, isn't that so sweet? Isn't that cute? Oh, oh it really lifts me cockles. Oh, it's so lovely. Oh, rather than, you know what I mean? That's not practical. Yes, I see that. I get that. I understand that. I am not the core audience for this film, right? This is for your, you know, your fans of fair like chalet girl. And, you know, I I would probably say, um, fuck, what's that film about the guy in the wheelchair and then the girl... You know, it was based on a book, and it was just, like, horrendous. Um, but yes. <laughs> that. And, uh, you know, Desperados. Right? That's what this, you know, speaks to. Fans of things like the kissing booth. You know, falling in, as in I-N-N, love. <laughs> you know what I'm saying that that is you know who this is for, like you know, blinded by the light after we collide, just all of those types of films that is the audience for loved guaranteed, you know what I mean, not cynical ass me, but but I would point out. Right, the film is written by a couple of ladies, and you'd kind of feel because everyone's always like, "Ugh, people, young people are influenced by the things they watch and the things they hear." <laughs> you know what I mean? If you're saying that explicit lyrics in music influence people, you know, if you want to say things that. Trump says influences people Then obviously Things people watch Influence people So Why not have a film That kind of Really Gets to it Really kind of explains things Shows things You know what I mean Like Maybe the perils of online dating, the fakeness of online dating. You know what I mean? That how about that? And or how to do it like legitimately, truthfully. How about that? You know what I mean? Like do that. Women always be like, oh, guys ghost and guys are just looking for one thing and it's terrible. So Show the film Show the film from these points of view Like address the actual Things That you know that concern people Rather than Trying to make a sugar coated Little horrendous Ball of goo You know what I mean That will give people diabetes That's all I can say Right And as I said look the film, the you know, the, everyone in the film isn't terrible as an uh, you know as an actor and actress. The performances aren't bad. Like um, Heather Graham is 
perfect as Tamara Taylor, the obnoxious CEO of Love Guaranteed. You know, that person that always wants to try and quote those inspirational fucking quotes and bullshit lines at you that mean nothing. You know, she really epitomizes that. Right? It's great performance. I mean, so, yeah, the performance and all of that is fine. It's just, like, the script is terrible. And it's just madly crusade. So, I'm just like, listen, the film itself is fine. And it will have an audience, clearly. Clearly. But we could have done better. You know, we could have been more truthful. We could have been realer. We could have been honest. That's all I'm saying, people. That's all I'm saying. But, <laughs> I'm not the audience. So, if you like a rom-com, people, this is rummy and commy just for you. Love guaranteed. Okay, so as promised, I've um, finally gotten round to watching Mig Nonnies, otherwise known as Cuties. Uh, so this was written and directed by, um, oh gosh, man, the name is tricky, man. So I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna pronounce it wrong, regardless. So apologies, but I would say. Uh, Mimona Ducu? Yeah, okay, we're gonna go with that. Well, yes, she wrote and directed it. Uh, so it was produced by Sylvian de Zagonzi. Um, the music is by Nico Noki. Cinematography is Jan. Matud um, The film stars Fafia Yusuf Medina El Adi Azuni Esther Gururi Iana Kami Gosalos and Mianua Goi Oi Man, I butchered every one of those I realise, I apologise uh, So this was Dukus. Um, It's her debut feature film Before it, she's um, done a couple of shorts But yeah, this was her first Her first film, right? And the the gist is this Amy, an 11-year-old girl, joins a group of dancers named the Cuties at school and rapidly grows aware of her burgeoning femininity, upsetting her mother and her values in the process. So I am sure that everyone has heard just stuff about this film, right? You know, it, it, Netflix is making films for paedophiles. Uh, 
Like this film is an atrocity. Just everything. There has been so much said. Right? And a lot of it said by people that haven't watched the film. Which, I mean, it's always troubling. Right? Because let's be you can't talk on most things. Now, don't get me wrong. There are certain things you can talk about. Right, there's certain things you don't need to try to, uh, you know, say no. <laughs> like, um, I don't need to try cannibalism to say I don't want to eat human. I ain't, unless you know I'm stranded and need to survive. Okay, there's a caveat, people. There's a caveat, but you know, what I mean, when it comes to films. I'm going to try and catch it if I'm really going to talk. I like I can't talk on a film I haven't seen. So, uh, yeah, I, I thought I'd give it a go. Um, you know, I think the description of the film is... Yeah, it's mixed up, right? I think a lot of the promotion of film is mixed up. But, you know... I think we have to remember as well. This is this is Deku's first film. So, listen. When we you think of your favorite director, you know most of their first films aren't always the best. You know, wait or like you watch it and you be like, yeah, it's you know I see promise, like it's. Definitely wobbly in places, you know. But it it it's never really. Oh my god, that's incredible! You know, people don't do their best thing straight away. Like it takes time to grow and understand. And you know, sometimes people have more space for that. You know, they maybe worked with a big director so they can understand and, you know, get more of an insight. But there is that. Right. And I think when you get her idea of what she wanted to do with the film, like you definitely see that. Right. Um, And I think it comes down to execution, you know, because. Right. So her idea of the film Really, um, you know, it's around a Senegalese French girl with a traditional Muslim upbringing who is caught between traditional values and internet culture, right? She wanted to make a film that criticizes the hypersexualization of pre-adolescent girls, right? So that's the intent. Now, I I think it doesn't always clearly shine through, you know, and it doesn't, isn't, like, watching the film, I didn't feel, you know, it's like a calling card, <laughs> you know what I mean, it, it didn't seem like, oh yeah, this is what Epstein would show his, uh, you know, his guests, it wasn't his in-flight film, it didn't play like that, it was, there were scenes and shots that you were thinking, 
that's not the best. Like, whew, I don't know what you're doing with that. You know, like, to be honest, right, I put this film on, I tried to watch this film last week, and I think there's, we've got a scene um, with, uh, oh gosh, Angelica in the uh, laundry room, right, and it was just like, eh, yeah, I don't know about this. This is weird, right? Because you've got these little girls and, yeah, they clearly look like little girls in these tight clothes, right? You know, the scene I'm just referenced, she's wearing these leather trousers, you know, and we've got just protracted shots of her... Shaking her flat ass at us, and it's just like, yeah, this is weird, you know. And yeah, I was busy, so I was just like, you know what, I'm gonna park this. <laughs> Maybe I'll come back to it. But yeah, I I thought I should do, so I did. And I think that's the thing, right? There's a, there's, there's a lot of shots that kind of zoom in on the ass. Or, you know, them with their finger in their mouth. You know, or the crutch area. And it's just like... You could have had the same impact with a different angle. Right? And, again, I kind of feel... As your first film, right... I imagine she's looking at going, okay, I want to, you know, because (laughs) let's be real, right? We get similar shots in other things. You know, you have these weird child dance competitions and talent shows and all of this, which everyone is fine with. Like... No one, no one bats an eye about all of that stuff. And, yeah, we, we have similar shots in those things. The difference is they're not always as protracted. I feel that's the difference, right? So, yeah, with this, you, you know, I'm imagining it's the first film. She's got an idea that she wants to kind of show her, you know, how weird it is when you do this thing. But with the inexperience, she's taking way too long on the shots and they're not the greatest of shots and angles. Let's be honest. You know, there's certain, you know, we've got these shaky kind of shots circling round the girls, but it's just like, at no point... Do we ever really see, like, great dance shots? I think when you've got a film about a dance troupe, you should also have these good dance sequences. And we don't get that. Right? We don't get that. Another problem I kind of would say with this is context. 
you know, I think, well, I think context is just the main issue, like, you know, the way people are talking about the film, you know, the marketing of the film, the story, like, there is a clear lack of content, context in everything, you know, and, and, and that's the weird thing, right, because, you know, I, I saw this thing in the promotion, and it's just like, oh, the family have moved to the, one of the poorest parts of Paris, and to be honest, you don't really get that, you know, they're in an apartment building, you know, the, just the laundry is downstairs, but that's the case in a lot of buildings, you know, it's, it's not like it's falling apart or anything like that, you know, to try and understand the economic situation of the family, that's a bit of a tough one, right, she has to, yes, we've got her sharing a room with her brother, but again, they, she's 11, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not out of the, you know, world of reams of the reams of world Urgh! expression cannot remember it but <laughs> you know what I mean like listen there's loads of people I know that have shared rooms with their their siblings to you know at a certain age so that's not the weirdest thing but I kind of think you know because it's the the whole family dynamic you don't really get a sense of that throughout the film, like, you know, she's hiding under the bed, and she overhears the conversation about the marriage, but as a relationship with the mum, you don't really get a lot of sense of that, like, you get certain scenes where the mum collapses, and she just, she's still sitting at the table, you know, where a little brother runs to the mum, and so you understand it could, it's probably a little frosty, but it's not something that is well displayed through the story, you know, we don't get any real scenes of her, like, lamenting situations or anything like that, you know, again, the film, you know, the marketing kind of references like, the juxtaposition between, you know, religion and the internet, right, now we have her in church at the beginning, and you can see she's bored, but, you know what I mean, but this is the big thing, right, she's an 11-year-old girl, so, you know what I mean, like, at 11, there's a lot of stuff that bores you, you know, so to be, you know, you can't really take anything from that scene, and then onwards, we don't necessarily get a, a kind of a glimpse of, you know, an oppressive Muslim um, upbringing, you know, it's not well communicated through the film. Now, you can draw assumptions, 
But, you know, assumptions isn't story. <laughs> you know what I mean? You could look at a lot of things and go, well, I assume that that is the case. You know, I assume that that is that. You know, you could be right, you could be wrong. But it, it, it's for a storyteller to lead us in these directions, to give us enough context to be like, right, I get that. I understand what this situation is, you know, and um, that's not to say we don't need a, so this is this, this is this, this is this, this is this, we don't need play by play, but we need something, you know, we need something, and that's something that's lacking here, right, we have her first meet the girls, and they do not like her, right? But she's fascinated with the with the dancing, and we don't kind of get a, you know, just something like, man, I wish I could be as free as that. So they don't have to go to church. They don't have to do this. They don't have to, you know, just something, just a throwaway statement would help loads here, right? But then we don't really see why they suddenly like her. You know, there's just a lot. And listen, it's little kids, little kids. (laughs) It's not like you need a lot, right? With them... One day they'll like something, the next day they hate it, the next day they want to be a fucking dinosaur. You know what I'm saying? It's just like they are up and down like a motherfucking seesaw. <laughs> you know, but give us something, show us something here. You know, but that's the weird thing. There, there's just not a lot, right? The whole phone situation is weird. Because if my phone has gone missing and I'm kind of like the only person who could have is this, I'm, you know, checking for that phone. I'm getting, you know, I'm going around there and being like, listen. Also, there's things like find my phone, right? You would block the network And also a password, right? I don't know anyone that really has an open phone these days, but she just picks up the phone and straight away she's just shooting. And I'm just like, wait, no password lock? Like, what the fuck? This is, like, this is just weird. You know, so there's a lot of odd things happening. Right, we have this rival dance group who... Look significantly older than these girls, right? So this is the weird thing. The um the other group, you know, they look a lot older than them. And when I say look, they look a lot older. Yes, they look a lot older. It's not to say that they look a ton old. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? They still look young in themselves. So when you get one of them flashing, that was a weird thing, right? But it, it it's not like, yeah, the other dance group look, you know, 
Great. They, they're not. You wouldn't look at them and think, oh, they're they're eighteen, twenty. No, you'd think they're probably I don't know, fifteen, something like that, right? And, and but you kind of think, right? If these girls are eleven, it's clear that they're young. So what are the parameters of this dance competition? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's there, there's a lot of these weird kind of. Things there Yo, which Yeah, a a, a rod Like you have There's a lot of points that are trying to be made But just not That, not not really Handled that well Like you you have the When she's in class and she's Coming to the front and the boy slaps her ass Right It, It goes from Oh, like, I forget his name, but let's just say, Samuel, what are you doing? To then suddenly, you both got detention. And it's just like, and that is before she did what she did, right? So you're just like, wait, 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 wait. how did it go from there to there? That's real. Yeah, that's crazy. But I'd say another point that's, we don't really... See The evolution of it Right So it's from Church To seeing Angelica In um, Angelica in the In the laundrette To then You know basically Offering up your body Right And it's just like listen For you know, there's definitely this thing, you know, of, um, I guess, exploration and understanding when you're young, you know, because you don't know anything, and then suddenly you start hearing stuff, right, so it's just like, oh, what does that mean, like, oh, what is that, huh, yeah, yeah, and like I remember when I was a kid, everyone was talking about Mars bar parties, and I'm thinking, huh? I mean, I, you know, it's not my favorite, but I guess going to a party and you're all eating Mars bars sounds fun. You know, I guess that's cool. I don't know, maybe I'd kind of prefer maybe a marathon, but you know, all right. Mars, Mars will work, and, um, yeah, that's not a Mars bar party, (laughs) but you're kind of like, okay, yeah, 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 no, I know, I know, yeah, I'll be down, cool, cool, yeah, so there's all of that, I get that, but we, we we're going from zero to, you know, a million mad quick, like, when you get the thing, and the guy's asking for his phone, and she's like taking down her, 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 you know, her trousers. It's just like, wait, where is this go? Like, what are you doing? You're like, you don't understand what the point here is, right? Because the whole thing in the laser tag studio is a. Oh, wait, no, 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 he he tried to touch me, ah, yeah, but, so there's that, right, so they clearly understand that 
it's wrong for older guys to, you know, look at girls in a certain way, right, and they use that to their advantage, right, which is, and I will say, right, that seems just weird, because you've got the guy going, hey, no, I did not, then he's, I guess, boss comes over, and his boss is kind of all leering, now, the other guy in that situation isn't just going to stand there, right, he's going to be, you know, from my point of view, I'd be like, what are you doing, what are you, wait, are you looking at those girls, what the fuck are you doing, son, like, you, there would be more to that, so the scene was weird in that point of view, but... It's a viewing thing, so you're going from that to then pulling down trousers, you know, to taking photo. It's where does that come from? Like it, it would just be good to get this whole kind of, you know, I, you know, I feel stressed. I feel, you know, how do I navigate this? Some of that. Right, that understanding would help. There's at the end, the end of the film, you clearly see this kind of thing of, you know what, I don't need that and I don't need that. I just want to be a kid. I just want to be a kid jumping rope. So, you know, you can extravagate that at the end. But the context of the film is just lacking so much. It's created this minefield. You know, this crazy thing around paedophilia and sexualization and just everything else. You know, so yeah. (sighs) You know, it's an odd one. Right, it's clearly an odd one Now, I'm watching the film uh, At no point do I want to have sex with a little girl Right, so, you know The film can't make you do that If you don't want to do that (laughs) You know what I mean, so there is that people Understand If you come out of this film going Huh, I can't believe Cuties has made me want to have sex with 11 year olds You always wanted to do that (laughs) That's on you that's clearly on you, and uh, you better seek help, right, so, yeah, it's not going to turn people, okay, is it, you know, is it a little odd, yes, a little odd, could it have been shot better, yes, for sure, could the story have been clearer and better structured, yes, it could, Right, so yeah, I feel that's the film, that's the problem, that's the thing that we're going to be talking about, you know, now it's how does she grow from this, you know, that's a big thing, like what will we see next from Ducure, so she's got her first film out the way, 
she has definitely learned from this experience So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how she develops from this You know, I will say the, the dubbing, the dubbing was tough you know, it really didn't fit <laughs> It really didn't fit the characters You know, it was an odd one It was an odd one But, uh, yeah That's my I mean, that's my quick thoughts on Cuties Because, let's be honest We could talk about this for a lot longer But, uh, yeah I'm gonna pull the plug there, people Um, I can't think of anything to kind of align this with So you just have to think to yourself Do you want to watch it? Do you want to kind of see And make your own judgement? If you do, it's on Netflix, right? Okay, there you go Okay, so The Devil All The Time Is the new film from Antonio Campos you know, um, yeah, it's it's kind of um, it's an interesting one. I don't think I've ever seen any of Campos's films before, but I have to say he's got an interesting style. So um, yeah, Campos wrote the screenplay with his brother Paolo. Um. Jake Gyllenhaal, River Marker, Randall Poster and Max Bourne produced the film And it's actually based on a book of the same name that came out in uh, 2011 um, Yeah, by Donald Ray Pollock Who actually did the narration for this film you know, which is, yeah, because he's never done narration before He didn't, you know, voice his audio book So yeah, it's, it's interesting that, you know, he got asked And he just, yeah, I have to say, he killed it You know what I mean, the narration was great uh, He's got, definitely got a good voice for that You know, so, um, whoo, the film has a hell of a cast Right, we have Tom Holland as Arvin Eugene Russell. Um, Michael Banks' Reptor played a younger version of Arvin. Uh, Bill Skarsgård is Willard Russell, Arvin's father. Um, we've also got um, hmm. Do do do. Ah, yes, Hayley Bennett is Charlotte Russell, Arvin's mother uh, We've got, um, oh, Eliza Scanlon, who plays Leo Lenora Lafferty Who is Arvin's adopted sister uh, We've got Bill Skarsgård, oh yeah, I said that Robert Patterson, who has been cropping up in just... Everything of late And just turning in some Really good performances But this time he plays Reverend Preston Teagarden uh, Riley Keogh Who plays Sandy Henderson 
Jason Clark, who plays Carl Henderson, who is Sandy's husband. Sebastian Stan, who plays Sheriff Lee Bodecker, who's Sandy's brother. Uh, Mia Wachowski, who is Helen Hatton Lafferty, Lenora's, you know, actual mother. Harry Melling is Roy Lafferty. So, yeah, you know, Lenora's father, Helen's husband. Um, we got Kristen Griffin, who plays Emma Russell, Arvin's grandmother. Yeah, I think I just said that. I'm losing my mind, people. Yep, losing my mind. But, uh, yeah, so the cast is tremendous. I mean, it really is a great cast. Uh, the gist of the, um, the story is this, okay? So, set in rural southern Ohio and West Virginia... The Devil All The Time follows a cast of compelling and bizarre characters from the end of World War II to the 1960s. There's Willard Russell, tormented veteran of the carnage in the South Pacific who can't save his beautiful wife Charlotte from an agonising death by cancer. No matter how much sacrificed blood he pours on his prayer log, there's Carl and Sandy Henderson, a husband and wife team of serial killers who troll America's highways searching for suitable models to photograph and exterminate. There's the spider-handling preacher Roy and his crippled virtuoso guitar-playing sidekick Theodore running from the law. And caught in the middle of all of this is Arvin Eugene Russell, Willard and Charlotte's adopted orphan son, who grows up to be a good but also violent man in his own right. Compelling, right? Compelling. Now, <laughs> as with most things, I knew none of this coming in. I had just heard rumblings. Right, so um, I figured I would take a look, and um, yeah, this is a very interesting film. So it starts off, um, like with some narration. You know, we see a map, and it's just like you know, we see two towns, and we're just told that yeah, it, they're kind of connected with through these people. We then have our scenes of Willard Russell in the war with his companions who come across a grisly scene which definitely seems to leave a mark with him. So we go from there, then we come, um, you know, back to America and we start to have the intertwinings. So Willard stops off in a cafe, well, a diner. Yes, that's probably the more uh, appropriate one. A diner where he meets Charlotte. Right? He meets Charlotte. But at the same time, we get another, hearing? Another couple come across each other. 
right? So we, um, yeah, we have, uh, you know, um, Charlotte and, um, no, 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 we have uh, Sandy and Carl, they meet. And it's interesting because, you know, there's a, there's a definitely the way it's filmed, they kind of, there's always some slight misdirections. Now, this one wasn't a long misdirection, but the way it's kind of set up, you do kind of first assume that Sandy is meeting Willard, right? But no, that doesn't happen. Uh, and so we just get this stuff happening, and it's intriguing. We also get time jumps, right? So there's like these periods, and they jump forward. So we have, um, well, and you know, there's more. Like uh, we have, um, you know, Willard then go home to meet his parents. He's telling them about this girl, and he's, you know, his mum is trying to. Uh, introduce him to Helen Lafferty, right? But when they're in church, two people stumble in, you know, Roy and his brother. So it's just, we get all of these weird little connections, everything happening, and you kind of, you can see the pool, like you see the threads, you know, like, you you know, you know, Willard isn't interested in Helen, but then you realise that Helen is now, you know, intrigued by Roy, so we get all of this, um, then we jump forward, and, you know, Charlotte and Willard have a kid, they're looking for a house, and it just kind of plays like that, you know, like, it's not a happy film. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, happy things don't seem to happen to our characters here. It's just a little... Whew, it's a little bleak. You know what I mean? It is a little bleak. But we get these moments. You know? And, and even, like, these moments of vengeance... You know, they do kind of feel right. You know, like, um, we get these two guys make these uh, terrible comments about Willard's wife. Well, one of them kind of is the one making the comment, but his friend doesn't do much to stop him. Let's say that. So, um, you know, Willard then does a little thing about it, right, with Arwin, Arvin in the car, and you're just like, you know what, that's not a bad lesson, that's not a bad lesson, because, hey, bad people shouldn't always get away with shit, now, <laughs> there are other lessons throughout the film, which, you know, kind of an escalation, and, uh, yeah, Maybe don't go all that way <laughs> You know what I mean But yeah um, So yeah we get these things and it, it, But it's all intriguing And it is shot beautifully 
You know, it really is. Like, because, you know, they're in the, I guess, uh, would you call this the, the Midwest? The American Midwest? You know, so we got fields and trees and, you know, and it, and it all looks very rustic and nice. But you get, like, the sunlight and all of this. And it's all kind of given to us. So we get the these really nice backdrops. You know, we get these nice little, you know, settings. And inside is this... Are these moments of uh, who crazy? Oh, but it's even though sometimes it's grisly, you know. So sometimes it is like, who you know, makes you makes you stop. <laughs> but it is you know it, it it's done in this way. Where oh, you can see the art in it, you know. Do you understand? Like, yes, it's a you know, it's maybe unsettling, but you can look at it for this is a really well put together scene. Like, this moment, I feel the visceral, you know, anger and fear, and just that. You know, the downtrodden resentment that's going through these people's, you know, minds. And that's something. You know, like, you 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 really get a sense for these characters. And there's a lot of characters. You know, there's a real lot of characters. But it never feels like, oh, well, we don't really know anything about him. Like, he's a bit like, what's that character's point? You know, yeah, like, you get that. Like, we don't get a lot of, um, you know, Roy and his brother. But, like, we do get an understanding of, you know, the shysters they are. But even so... There is a moment, and you do feel, well, you, I guess you feel bad for a split second, but then you remember something that happened a little earlier, and you're like, meh, no, 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 I don't, but you do kind of get, like, there are things that happen in this film, and you know they're coming, but even though you know they're coming... Ah, it's still, you know what I mean, it's still crafted in this great way, you know, like with the whole Roy storyline, where there's, there's stuff that happens, and you, you know it's coming, but you are teased on it a little bit, and yeah, it, it still works so well, you know, still works so well, as I say, it is, I don't know if it's me, right? I really don't. But there did seem some timelines that went kind of crazy. And certain characters then either didn't age 
all became kind of the same-ish age. And you're just like, wait, hold on. Is that right? I don't know if that's right. Shouldn't that... Shouldn't she still be a baby? Isn't he significantly old? Hmm. And I was thinking that. But, tell you the truth, didn't really matter. You know what I mean? It doesn't spoil your enjoyment of the product. You can still, you still look at the film and it's still great. You know what I mean? It's still, you know, this... <sighs> You know, engrossing tapestry of interlocked puzzles that give us this compelling story that's just, you know, full of, like, remorse and sadness, but you still, you know, you still don't want to look away, you're still never... Like, ugh, this feels long. Yo, you're still with it all the way to the end, hoping that it's going to go a certain way. Hoping it's going to go a certain way. But I ain't going to lie, right? As the film is coming to an end, I was sitting there dreading, you know, just a, a final nail. A final nail thinking, oh, are they going to fuck with us? Are they going to fuck with us right to the end? Is that what's going to happen? You know, but uh, yeah. You, you, you just, you know, there's definitely things here that you kind of, you know, you're rooting for the less of two evils. And you're also hoping for, you know, information to come out on people, right, you're just thinking, okay, alright, they cannot get away with that thing, they got to answer for that, come on, come on, all this talk of God and whatnot, <laughs> I mean, people got to be answering for this shit, this is crazy, right, so yeah, this is a great film. I very much enjoyed the film. It's weird. It's crazy. But yeah, everyone gives us a magnificent performance. You know, the storylines, even though they do see seem kind of whew, like diverse and all over the place, they do. Do you know what I mean? They do mesh, they do come together, they do intertwine, and yeah, it does feel logical, right? It it never feels like things are being forced, you know what I mean? And that's a good thing, because yeah, we've definitely seen those films, you know, where it feels like everything is trying to get shoehorned into this point, so these two people meet, and then the story can go in this direction, no, no, that's not what we get here, and that's a joy, that really is, so people, it's on Netflix, and um, yeah, I would say go check it out, like um, 
man, it's hard to kind of think of something that plays like this. Because, you know, there's not a lot. Like, you you might kind of equate it to, a, you know, a Coen Brothers film. Right? Because you think about how those storylines are, are, are kind of crazy, but work and come together. And you're like, oh, okay, yeah. Oh, right, I get it. That makes sense. You know, so yeah, if you enjoy Cohen's stuff, then possibly this. You you do have that kind of true grit feel. You know, that Western... You know, that kind of thing. So you get that kind of feel. You know, a little bit like um, the assassination of Jesse James. But it's definitely not that film, though. You understand? It's got that rustic kind of feel. Um, But, yeah, I did really enjoy it. Really enjoyed it. So, um, you know, the devil all the time. It's on Netflix, and Antonio Campus does a yeah, superb job, along with all the cast, you know, and yeah, great, great narration from the actual author of the book, so people, go take a gander, I think you might like it. Okay, so, we're drawing to the end but we've got one more film to go. So we've got Monsoon. So we're going to have that. And then I'm going to go into the um, conversation with Hong Chow, the director. So, um, yeah, enjoy it, people. It's a really good conversation. Okay, so I've just come out of a screening of Monsoon. This is the new film by... Director and writer Hong Chow It's produced by Tracy O'Riordan And it's starring Henry Golding Parker Sawyer David Tran Molly Harris Lam Visay And Edouard Leo The music is by John Cummings And the cinematography is Benjamin Kraken So the gist of the story is this Londoner Kit, who's played by Golding, has come to Vietnam to scatter his mother's ashes and to connect with the place he departed from as a child. But everything has changed and he finds little to anchor him. That is until he meets Lewis, a black American living in Saigon, whose father served in the war that still underscores many of Kit's interactions. The opening shot An intriguing vantage on the busy traffic intersection with no road markings or discernible rules sets the pace and theme for this gradually enveloping film with its emphasis on moments of grace. Um, The act of scenting lotus tea, Kit's tender Skype calls to family, Monsoon builds an atmosphere that will likely resonate with anyone who has felt that unique sense of loneliness at being somewhere they once belonged. 
yeah, this was a really, a really interesting film. Now, in in that description, it mentions the um, the road scene at the beginning, and I, I, it looks like it was shot with a drone or something. Now that's in so that yeah, because you're just seeing all this tra- everything just move, but no, yeah, in no discernible pattern. Which is crazy. I was just thinking, I can't, I could never cross the road. Yeah, I'd just be in fear of being run over. But as, but I think the scene that really kind of sets the tone is, um, so we have Kit. He he's travelling to um, you know, Saigon, and um, he he goes to his hotel he checks in and then we see him sitting on a sofa and then he thinks to himself oh let me put um i think it's a picture a picture up um and uh, you know so i'm assuming it was of his mother and so he gets up slowly takes the photo and then he puts it on the side and he sits back down. He waits a little bit. Then he gets back up. And he's like. You see him. You know, assess where he'd put it. And think. No that's not quite right. So he methodically moves across. To the other side of the mantle. Looking. Then he places it. Sits down again. And he's just staring, staring forward. And I think that said a lot about the type of film you're just about to see, you know. Because it's really, it was just the methodical nature of it, like the slow pace of it. You know, and just doing this thing with, without any vocalization. So that was like, ah, uh, okay, it, it's gonna be a film like that, you know. It, it, yeah, I think that kind of underpinned everything, and it really does. It, it just sets things up because this film is is kind of infused with sadness, guilt, longing regret um like self-discovery and a little bit of happy you know uh, that's what this film is it's really interesting and it so it's a slow-paced film but you don't find yourself going oh god how long is this going to last for? You know, you're not looking at your watch. You're just intrigued with what's happening in front of you. So it's 86 minutes. So it's just like just under an hour and a half. And it, and that works. Really does. Like um, we have Kit meet his cousin Lee. And... Just the, the, in that conversation, that first conversation, you you realise so much. 
because there just feels like there is this wedge in between them, you know, and it it's not a hatred thing, but there's this guilt, this sadness, this um. Ah, uh, like I don't, I'm not sure, because you know they're not really making eye contact. There's a, a just this vibe, just this vibe between them, and you're watching it and you're just intrigued. You're just like, oh, I wonder what's happened, and. Through the conversations, you you have this realization. You have this realization, and also a bit later on, something else becomes clear. And you know, once that is kind of settled, that helps because there was definitely uh, just a level of just confoundedness, you know, like, oh, I'm not sure I can do this thing, and and then when the real, like, there's no need to, it's just like, oh, okay, okay, but yeah, Kit is, is, he's kind of like walking in quicksand, he's walking in quicksand, trying to find his way, and we see a different side of Kit in his interactions with Lewis. In his interactions with Lewis and in his interactions with um, this girl that does art tours. That's when we kind of see a happier Kit. Which is interesting. You know, because it's like he doesn't need to hide as much. At first. like No, I mean, as time goes on, he doesn't need to hide. He feels more comfortable. And I think that's the film. You know, trying to find your place in everything. You know. Because, yeah, it's, it's a tough one. When you know you're from this place... But you don't really know the place. So you're going back. But it's not familiar. And you wish it was familiar. Because that's a big, like in conversations. And it's just like, yeah, this used to. And blah, blah, blah. And you just see him trying to remember but can't. There's a weight to that, you know. It it it's it's kind of crushing, and you see that the claustrophobia of just not feeling, not feeling that you belong. You know, not feeling you belong. That an interesting part of the film is the way it's shot. Because you get a sense that you're you're looking in on all of this, I, like you know what I mean. You just 
you kind of crept up on them, you're just around the corner, and you're peeping and you're watching, that's the kind of feel you get, which is really interesting, and it's done by just these different kind of camera angles, you know, just a different way it's shot, the different way it's kind of looking at things, like you have Kit um, in front of a shop, and the camera's like then you've got him sometimes like um sitting somewhere at a you know at a cafe and the camera is kind of looking through a hole in a fence like a hole in like a, a one of those kind of trellis fence or this or something like that yo so it's these really interesting angles that give you the sense of being a witness to what is happening which adds to that uniqueness of the film that adds to the like the pace of the film because i i you know if it was traditionally shot you definitely have a different connection here and then there's the score the um you know the music john cummins creates for it which is, it just works so well, it really does, that last scene is so perfect, such a perfect way to end this, it really is, like, I don't think you would want the film to end in another way, especially with everything that you have seen, everything that Kit has gone through, to fit, to have it end like this, it yeah, it, it it's just the best way, and um I, I I think when people see it they will be like, yeah no, we get it, that's all we needed, but yeah that's all we needed, yo know, it, it's it's an interesting film I would definitely say check it out people. Um, if you're a fan of stuff like, you know, like the station agent, if you're a fan of stuff like, um, I don't know, 13, um, like, um, oh gosh, what's it, Sidewalks of New York, you know, things like that, that kind of slice of life film. 13 conversations about one thing, if you like those sort of films, that kind of slower pace, kind of like, this is just a screenshot of life, then Monsoon is all you, this is your type of film, and people, you do get a chance to see this film, so, it will be playing the um Saturday the 5th of October at 6.15 at the Empire Haymarket, you can then see it Sunday the 6th of October at quarter to four at the Prince Charles Cinema, or Monday the 7th of October at 3pm at the View West End, so um yeah, if you're working, 
then Saturday, Sunday is, is, is the best bet for you. Um, some other good news. If you are hard of hearing, if you have, um, you know, visual difficulties, then you might want to catch the screening on Monday the 7th as this is an accessible screening. So um, the film will have English language subtitles and also it's including descriptions of non-dialogue audio. So yeah, that's the um, that's the three p.m. screening at the View West End. So uh, yeah, people, check out Monsoon. It's by Hong Chu, produced by Tracy O'Riden, starring Henry Golding, Parker Sawyer, David Tran, Molly Harris, and um, Lam Visay and Edward Leo. Music by John Cummings. Cinematography. Benjamin Kraken. Definitely check it out, people. Okay, I'm here with Hong Kao, who's the director of the new film Monsoon, that's starring Henry Goulding, um, Parker Sawyer, and David Tran. So, um, Hong, thank you very much for this opportunity to talk to you. I, I really appreciate it. I've literally just come from seeing your film. So, yeah, I, I, I've got questions for you, man. I, I've definitely got questions for you. Oh, no, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, shoot, shoot away. <laughs> I'm dreading your questions. <laughs> now, I don't know if this is right, like if this was intentional or if I've just seen something different into the film, but it felt kind of... Felt a little voyeuristic, or not voyeuristic is probably the wrong word, but it's kind of like I'm just standing on a corner and kind of eavesdropping in on these conversations that like um, Kit is having, and and you know talking with Lewis and you know Lee and all of these people that were just on the outskirts looking into this kind of just moment in time I mean uh, is that something you were going for yeah no that's really well spotted I mean that was totally intentional the idea was to we I wanted this story to be in a way that it feels like you're watching him but you're not watching him from an from a, a really far distance so you're it, I wanted to have that kind of dual sense of being personal and and yet we're only a couple of steps behind him you know so yeah. that so that when 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 moments are very um, maybe maybe heartfelt or, or emotional, you you do feel it, but you're just slightly a couple of steps behind him. So mm. it, it does have that kind of sense of, I, I mean, it wouldn't I, yeah, voyeuristic isn't the word, but I would say something like uh, have this kind of observational quality, but not from afar. Yeah, see, that's why you're the director. Observational. That was the word I, <laughs> I should have used. I'm like, yeah, voyeuristic. Like, ah. <laughs> But yeah, because I thought some of the camera angles that you chose were very interesting. Because it was like you'd have, say, a, a trellis fence and we're kind of looking through one of the gaps. It wasn't just those obvious shots, that obvious, like, straight on angle or something. Like a slight angle, slightly looking up or just round kind of thing. And I thought, yeah, that really worked 
to kind of give that that yes sense of I, I, I'm just on the outskirts of this moment which was really interesting I mean how was it to film like that I mean was it like you you had to kind of forget all you've learned and try this new method or was this something that just came like was it instinctive no it, it was uh, it was the, the visual language is really important in this um, just because of the, the style of the film and it felt um, as I was writing it that it, it, it felt it was a story that was a very personal story so you wanted the camera to be almost put, be there with him but not infringe on that personal space too much right but still be able to feel those those personal um, heartfelt moments mm. so um, it I am we, I spent a lot of time with Ben, the DOP, Ben Kraken, to talk about the visual language of the film because I wanted it to, the visual language to support the theme of the film as well. So it, yeah. it was just, it, it was really vital that we get that right. So that at the beginning, uh, when he just arrived in Vietnam, mm, mm. It's, it's obviously it's his birth country, but it's a country he doesn't remember and have very little memories of and feels very alien from. So we wanted to. I wanted to have this sense that to kind of have this distance, but also shooting off reflection as well as a way to to give that slight distance between him and that environment. And then as the film progresses, that star was slowly removed, so we were shooting less off reflection, yeah, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was. It was. Um, it just. It just took a lot of planning uh, and prepping, and it was something. It was just, I knew from day one that once we had the DOP and once Ben was on board, it was just a conversation that me and him had to keep, keep on talking about and be aware of. Ah, see, that makes sense. And you definitely get that feel. Because it was like, there was those conversations, like when Kit was talking with Lee. And so I, I guess Lee's Kit's cousin? Yeah, he's kind of second cousin. Okay, yeah, because you got that in those conversations, you you got that they were close, but now there's this kind of wedge there, and it's it's not hatred, but there's kind of some guilt, there's some sadness, there's some you know just stuff just stuff infringing because just the way they were in communicating the body language the the kind of the, the the eye contact and all of that you really that really resonates like straight out the gate like what do you do you just give the actors the script or do you sit with them and go look this is kind of like this could be a way of doing it blah 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 or do you just let them run with it and see if what they do matches your kind of vision. No, we, 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 I talked a lot with the actors about this, and we had rehearsal time as well. So we had a, uh, so the scenes between Kit and his second cousin Lee, we we had uh, we had uh, rehearsals on that, and we were slowly trying to find a way for that. So, like you said, those scenes ha there's a lot. Uh, the, 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 there's a lot of things sitting in those in those scenes. So there's mm. just like you said, there's the awkwardness. There's also the guilt for Kit having grown up in the West with all the kind of privileges of the West, 
excuse me. And so kind of returning back to see his cousin who, and Vietnam is in this very extremely poor, but yet incredibly vibrant capitalist yeah. place, you know? So it was, um, it was to find, uh, yeah, those are the things we talked about. And then it was then to allow the actors to do it. And then obviously in the edit, we, you know, you help along with the edit mm, and with mm. the kind of composition of the frame as well. All of those go into help make that scene embody those things that you said. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because then on the flip side, it was interesting. Like the, when Kit is with Lewis, he kind of lights up. It's like the baggage falls away. He's a lot happier. He's a lot lighter, it seems, you know, which, which is interesting. Because like at first... He hides some stuff like, oh, yes, yeah, my first time to the country. And for, like, um, I don't think that's a spoiler. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, we, we kind of get that. And as they go, as their situation goes on, it's just comfortable. And then at the end, like, it's just, it's just a great scene because we, we see them together. And there's just this really... It's very relaxed, and it's kind of a just a, such a juxtaposition from the beginning of the film to now this moment, and so it just seemed like a nice moment to kind of shut the doors on. But it's like there's no real resolution or anything like that. But it's a bit like it doesn't matter because we have this this backdrop and everything so it's just like yeah no that feels right that, that that feels right so it's a bit like when thinking of where to end the film how did you come to that kind of um realization that that's the point yeah that's interesting um um is that's a really good question i mean i'm just trying to remember in the script whether we ended in the same way we've ended the film mm. because some of the scenes got rejumbled in the edit. Right, right. Uh, I think the end, we spent a lot of time trying to get the end right. And I wonder, I think it might, the script might have been a different ending to what you saw. And it was only, you know, when the edit we discovered. And it, it, it needed to be that. I mean, like you say, in a story like this with these kind of um, themes that I'm trying to talk about is you can't give a conclusive, it's not... Mm. It's not something you can package neatly and then tie it in a bow and say, there you go, that's the conclusion. Um, so it, it can't have those kind of resolution. But what, what I hope was to give the sense of uh, an uplifting spirit, you know, that, that despite everything that he's going along, that, that there may be hope between the two of them. And that yeah. was just it, you know, they may, you know, that, that was the idea without being too on a nose. And, and you're right that it, it, the scenes with Lewis is a bit lighter because I think it, I think as a film it, it needed those elements just bec- or else it will feel again you're, you're, you, it may feel like you're drowning in this mm. in our protagonist kind of search all the time yeah. and it can it, it also can feel maybe uh, uh, samey or monotonous so it, 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 I wanted to bring that element of, of Lewis in but also because I think Lewis as a character is also I think he's going through similar experiences Kit you know mm. but I think he's probably a few years ahead of Kit yes. and for somebody like Kit he was able to find this man fascinating and maybe his kind of journey to be where he's at fascinating as well yeah yeah no that, that's the thing 
there was a moment I was concerned in the film um, when he got to Hanoi. You know what I mean? Oh, in the hotel, I was a bit like, "Oh man!" Because I'm just like, "What about what about Lewis? Oh, good. What about yeah?" I was just like, "What's he oh, done? Yeah. Why?" And then it's just like, "Okay, yeah. okay, all right, okay, fine." Is it like is they haven't known each other for age? All right, fine. All right, I'll give that a pass. <laughs> <laughs> like. Yeah, what was the reasoning for it, like including that? Yeah, I, I don't. The, the thing is, I think I, I guess part of it is I, I, um, I wanted to resist this idea of telling this kind of traditional love story, you know, yeah, 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 and yeah. Um, and I think for for I think there's a generation of, uh, a, of I say a gener- generation of gay men that I think they will understand that for somebody like Kit that I think he, it, it wasn't. I didn't want to tell this traditional idea that you know that that this Lewis is going to be this character that's going to stay around, yes. and I think for him is that he came to Vietnam to to try and find a closure of 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 something that's been tugging away at him, and I think uh, you know I think he just wants to kind of play around because I think men can be like that, and uh, and it's only towards the end when he's able to find a sense of closure with his family that he's able to then go back to Lewis. And and maybe f- um, look for something more meaningful. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it was. It was just. I guess it was just to to do that. And maybe. I mean, I don't want to explain too much. Kind of yeah. destroys the mystery. Yeah, 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 destroys yeah. the mystery. But also, I wanted. I was slightly concerned. Maybe that I didn't want Kit to be this person. I want Kit to also find his own his own skin mm. color attractive as well. You know what yeah. I mean? And he yeah, yeah, wants yeah, yeah, to find yeah, yeah. his own. I don't want him to be, be this kind of person that that I don't know. Yes. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I want I him to find what, his own culture. Yeah. I know. So, what, yeah. yeah. I know. Because yes, that, I think that's something that you you find sometimes, and I think definitely, especially now, with um, you know, like everyone's so conscious about diversity and everything like that. So I think sometimes you feel that. You know, it, it's a, it's a like, oh, we can't put two people of a certain race together because we need to mix it up. So let's have them with that to show, hey, we're like, there's no, there's no boundaries. We can love anyone, which is good. But sometimes it's just like, but we can love people that look like us as well. And, and you kind of miss that. So, yeah, no. And I feel that scene, although it, it was made, ah, it was a little bit sad. It made complete sense. But you did feel that Kit is a confused, is looking for some sort of answer around him and in himself. So it's just like it, it makes sense within the film. So, yeah. yeah, no, it all worked. It was, it was good. I think also because he's going through this kind of very, very painful personal search of his kind of past that I think sometimes I think we certain people can be like that, that you because he's just gone. There's no tie between him and Lewis at that, at that stage that he, you know, I think you, you can just, you know, have fun and mm. with whatever encounter that comes along. Yeah. Um, I guess I wanted to, to, to yeah, do that and break that traditional or conventional mode of a, of a love story, I guess, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. No, 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 no. It, yeah, it was good, man. It, like, it did work. It did work. Like, where did this story come from? I think mean, that's, uh, that's a thing. Like, was it 
an idea you had? Was it like an adapt adaptation of something that you'd read, or, or like, how did it come? Oh, no, I mean, this is a story I wanted to do for a long time. I mean, like, um, I mean, it's not autobiographical, but a lot of the stuff there are very s- similar stuff that I feel. So, mm. like, even though I'm not Vietnamese, I'm born in Cambodia. And I grew up in Vietnam, so I left Cambodia when I was just a baby, really. Right, and I have right. no memories of Cambodia, and all my childhood memories are of Vietnam. And so I guess early drafts, there was the character was Cambodian, blah blah blah. And then, and I, I just needed simplifying, so I just figured that you know what, just make him Vietnamese and British yeah. Vietnamese, and that would just simplify the structure. And then I could, with that, I can hang all of these things that I wanted to talk about. I mean, I mean, I I grew up, you know, I grew up in London, Britain. And um, I feel very British, but I have these kind of, I don't know, these tussles and tug and pulls that I have because mm. my parents are also of another culture, which I don't quite um, fully grasp either. So yeah. I just wanted to, 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 to talk about that the, there's kind of the, the duality that, that there's a generation of immigrants or refugees who are now adults and who are grappling for that sense of cultural identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I. Yeah, I completely understand because it's like, um, so I was born here, but my birth parents are Nigerian and like, so, and I was adopted. I grew up in a predominantly white area. There was literally no black people where I grew up, just a a couple of kids in the school, but that was basically it. And when like everyone's coming up to you going, go back home, you know what I mean? got to leave this place you don't feel like you belong but then you don't feel like i don't really feel an attachment to nigeria so you you're kind of in this limbo so it's weird no, you're right and it's really sad because i mean for people like us like when people tell you to go home you think well this is my home and this is all i have and mm. like, what what part of your brain can you not yeah. comprehend that <laughs> and I remember like three years ago you know when we're, when I was still writing this there was just like w- refugees and immigrants were demonized so much there was no proper wanting to have a human conversation about oh. it you know and yeah. it just became this political football for them to just you know demonize us and demonize refugees in a way that was really um, I don't know uh, traumatic yeah. I think yeah, um, yeah. So I guess it, part of doing this was to put a human face to it so, mm. and a human experience to it. So, yeah. No, no, it was good. And the, and the score, that was, yeah, that worked. Like, yeah. How did that cut? Like, did you have a vision of what you thought the music should be or did you hand it off and go, like, here's some film, what do you think works? Like, how did that work? No, I, I, it's weird. I mean, I didn't know about whether there would be music in the film, but I knew there would be a track at the end for that to en- encapsulate all of that, right? Mm. So when we met John Cummings, who used to be in Mogwai, I, I always wanted that track. I wanted that kind of music. I was mm. listening to Mogwai a lot, and music like that, that kind yeah, of Mogwai yeah, yeah. explosion in the sky, Godspeed, you black emperor. Mm. So mm. I was listening to those kind of music a lot, and I wanted a track like that, but really kind of visceral and, yes. and hard and... Um, yeah, and he wrote a lot of variations along the way and even stuff for other scenes. And then in the edit, we decided not to have any of that, but just to keep that one track at that moment. Mm, mm. Yeah. Oh, nice. Thanks for saying that. Yeah. I really, yeah. I thought we did an amazing job, yeah. Yeah, no, like, that's the thing. Everything worked. I thought, 
you know, the cinematography, like, you know what I mean? Like your angles, the music, that, that just the acting as well, because that was a thing. You, you got everything. And it, it's kind of, in, because sometimes you have these films and there's this narration, like, when I came back to Vietnam, I was like, I need to, ah, and you're just like, ah, if I, you kind of feel something, it's like, if I can't get that from the, the visuals, then why? Why? So it, yeah, no, it all worked well, man. It, it was, it was good. Like, where do you go from here, though? I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, it's going to have a cinema release next year, so uh, a distribution company's took it on. So. Okay, that's good. Yeah, so I, 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 I don't know. Just yeah. <laughs> like, do do you know when next year? Like first no, quarter? No, they haven't said anything actually. They they said. They said early next year, but I don't think they've set on anything, to be okay. honest with you, yeah. yeah. Ah, no, what, I think we've still got a bit of time. Um, I'm just curious to, oh, is he waiting? Oh, okay. Um, the cast, how did all that come about? Like, did you have certain people in mind or like, were you just auditioning and they just came? I didn't have anybody in mind. We just literally auditioned. We like we cast the net far and wide. Like, we looked at everybody. Like we looked at America, Europe, uh, Australia, New Zealand, uh, obviously, of, and the UK. We looked at a lot of uh, a lot of actors. I mean, it took a long time for us to get it right because it really needed an actor that could um, kind of bring that kind of internal quality. You know, that kind mm. of. Um, those kind of internalizing of, of emotions and uh, and uh, Amy Hubbard our casting director was able to eventually find uh, Henry and uh, yeah so it was a uh, yeah and, and then Parker also yeah Parker came along in the early stages of, of, of casting as well um, that Carmel a previous uh, casting director found. okay okay that's that's great man um where can people find information on this? Like, do you have a website, social media? I, I don't have a website, but the, the, the distribution company Peccadillo Pictures will have it on their website. Uh, yeah, they, I, I, they just signed a contract a, a week ago, so I don't know if it's up yet, but, but if, they, if they go to Peccadillo Pictures, they, they, there should be information there, hopefully. Okay, superb, man. Um, yeah, I, I did really enjoy the film, so... And thank you very much for the time. I really appreciate that, man. And um, hey, when you've got a new feature coming, hey, you know what I mean? Let, let's meet up and have another conversation. We'll do. do. Thanks, man. Thanks for, yeah, chatting with me. Thank you. Okay, people, before we go, let's take a look and see what's happening in the world of film. Well, it would seem that Gerard Butler's new feature, uh, Greenland, is, um, yeah, it won't be hitting cinemas. Okay, so um, it will go straight to Amazon. Uh, So from the 13th of October, you will be able to buy it. And then uh, from the 27th, it will be available to rent. So, um, yeah, anyone looking for that film, they're your dates. 
So, um, next up, they are, um, well, I, when I say they, I mean Universal Pictures, Bloomhouse, and Weed Road are uh, remaking Firestarter, the uh, Stephen King sci fi thriller. Yep, Keith Thomas is gonna direct. Um, Scott Teams, you know, who wrote Halloween Kill, is uh, writing the script. Jason Bloom and Akiva Goldsman are producing, with Martha De La Rentis executive producing. Um, yeah, so uh, Zach Afron is um, going to be playing the father. Of um, the girl who develops the pyrokinetic abilities. So, uh, yeah, there you go, people. There seems to be a lot of Stephen King stuff coming of late. So, let's see what happens with that one. Um, Now, we um, were just, uh, you know, talking about... Tom Holland and his latest film, well, Apple had picked up another of his. You know, it's um, him teaming up with the Russo brothers again, and this time the feature is called Cherry. Yep, yep, that is right. The film is going to be um, premiering in uh, early 2021 on Apple. Uh, and the story follows former army medic Nico Walker, who returned from Iraq with extreme undiagnosed PTSD and fell into opioid addiction and began robbing banks. Walker was called in 2011 and is scheduled to be released this year. Okay, so the film also stars. Kyra Bar- Bravo, Bill Skarsgård, Jack Rayner, Forrest Goodluck, Jeff Wahlberg, Michael Gondafini. Yeah, I think that's right. Kyle Harvey. Um, and uh, it's from a script by Jessica Goldberg um, and Angela Ottstot. Yeah. Okay. So uh, Zenanda, she has got a new film, and this sounds like she is going to be playing Ronnie Spector. Yeah, that's right. People, the um, you know, the singer of the Ronettes, or the lead singer of the Ronettes. You know, they're making a uh, biopic on her. So this is from A24 and New Regency. Okay, so, um, yeah, Zenenda and Mark Platt are producing. Jonathan Greenfield and Ronnie Spector are going to be executive producing. So, um, ah, this, should, this could be very interesting. Uh, so, I think word is they're trying to get Jackie Sillaby's jury to um, write the script. So, um, yeah. We'll see what happens with that one. 
Okay, so on to some news regarding Netflix. So they have just picked up a um, a, a new dark satire called I Care A Lot. It's from uh, director Jay Blackson. Um, and it's about a steely con woman played by Rosamund Pike who targets the elderly becomes their legal guardian and dumps them in homes while siphoning off their assets. She meets her match against her newest Mark's friend, played by Peter Dinkage, who is as lawless and ruthless as she is. Uh, it's also starring Isa Gonzalez and Chris Mezina. Uh, so, then we have... Um, yeah, a, a new film um, which is based on Scott Westerfield's dystopian fantasy novel, Uglies. So uh, it's going to be directed by Muk G and it's starring Joey King. Okay, so, um, you know, King is also executive producing it and. Uh, yeah, it's set in a world in which a compulsory operation at 16 wipes out physical differences and makes everyone pretty by conforming to an ideal standard of beauty. Hmm. I mean, it definitely uh, has connotations on today's society. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, and finally, with Netflix. So um, Joseph Kaninsky has got a new film called Spiderhead. Um, and it's going to be starring Chris Hensworth, Miles Teller and Junie Smollett. You know, they are going to be the leads. Right, so it's um, based on a George Sanders short story um, and unfolds in the near future when convicts are offered a chance to volunteer as medical subjects in hopes of shortening their sentences. Hmm, okay. Yeah, you know, I'm down with that. So, uh, Riot Rees and Paul Wenick penned the script. Um, so, yeah, it sounds kind of intriguing. Okay, so, also, Doug Lyman has got a new film, which is coming through AGC Studios. It's called Lockdown, and it's um, being sold as a pandemic heist. Okay, so it's written by Stephen Knight and tells the story of how a couple, Linda and Paxton, who are constantly at each other's throats, agree to call a truce and attempt a high-risk, high-stakes jewellery heist at the world's most exclusive department store, Harrods. And it is starring... 
Chetwell Alasiafor, Ben Stiller, Lily James, Stephen Merchant, Jill Hill, Jasmine Simon, Mark Gatiss, and Anne Hathaway. Hmm, could be interesting. And it seems like we're getting a lot of films set in the pandemic. Oh well. Okay, so let's end with this interesting bit of news. Now, if you enjoyed Moonlight, and if Bill Street could talk, I'm assuming you're waiting for Barry Jenkins' next endeavour. Well, it seems like it's uh, gonna be a Lion King prequel. Yeah, that's right, people. A Lion King prequel that further explores the mythology of the characters and includes Mustafa's origin story. Yeah, but supposedly it also moves the story forward. Hmm, I mean, it seems people are equating it to the Godfather part two, but uh, yeah, we will see. Seems an interesting one, but you know, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens, right? We will see what happens. But, people, that is it. We are done. Uh, enjoy your film watching, and we will be back next week. Now, the London Film Festival starts next week. Oh, next Wednesday. So, uh, yeah, there will be um, extra echo chambers and we'll try and hit as much as possible. It's going to be a different type of festival this year. Not as many films, but, you know, a lot more access, you know, especially if you live in other parts of the UK or around the world. You know, so, um, yeah, there you got it, people. Peace. And we'll catch you next Wednesday. Well, next Thursday, even. All right. Later.